third and final short programme on the life and work of Anthony Norris Groves, the early brethren missionary to Baghdad in India, the so-called Father of Faith Missions. If you missed the first two episodes, you should look for them on the podcast feed and listen to them first to learn about Groves' early life and his conversion to Christ and about his horrendous sojourn in Baghdad and mostly about his determination to serve the Lord even when circumstances were against him. Now, I've kept those episodes very short, deliberately so, just trying to introduce Groves to you in easy-to-follow steps. In this last episode, we'll be looking at his work in India. So, Anthony Norris Groves. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with me, Bob McAvoy. Groves had travelled from Baghdad to India, but before he would begin a missionary work there, he wanted to get an accurate picture of what life was like. So he travelled across the subcontinent, getting a grasp of Christian work already being done, trying to find out where the need was greatest. He visited Bombay, Madras, Ceylon, throughout the Ganges Valley as far as Kolkata, in every region, he stayed with local Christians of many different denominations. He enjoyed their fellowship. He took opportunities to share his understanding of how local churches should be structured and to share his, and of course, J.N. Darby's views on the end times. It's hardly surprising that those views were not always welcomed. In Bombay, for example, Grove stayed with a group of Church of England missionaries They extended him warm fellowship and hospitality. But when Groves offered to preach for them, they declined, agreeing that they would let him bring a report of the Lord's work in Baghdad, but nothing else. Groves was persistent, though. He wouldn't take no for an answer. Even though he was not allowed to preach in the local churches, he went on board a ship moored in the harbour and preached to the sailors who were there. Tinavelli was the former name of Tirunelveli, a major city in the Indian state of Tamil Nadu. It was there that Groves met Dr. Karl Renius. Renius was a German Lutheran pastor working at that time for the Church Missionary Society in England. He was a gifted linguist. He translated the New Testament into Tamil. He established English to Tamil translation methods that are actually still in use today. Renius had established his own meetings under the auspices of the Church Missionary Society. But those meetings bore very little resemblance, if any, to what was happening in Anglican churches. There were small meetings taking place in local villages, and Groves was greatly encouraged with the enthusiasm of the people who met there. Many of those believers sought further Christian instruction. And Renius working with three co-workers and seeing the need for pastoral care over these little groups of believers, began training local men. He ordained them as catechists and pastors looking after the local works. But the recently installed Anglican bishop at Calcutta reminded Renius that he had no right as a non-Anglican to be ordaining clergy and that any such ordinations were invalid. 
Renius was invited to travel to England to petition the church authorities. Groves advised him to stay in India, worried that in case he was away, the flock would suffer. Instead, Renius wrote and published two defences of his position. But that situation worsened when six of the newly trained pastors in these little meetings refused to allow the Anglican bishop to ordain them. The split with the church was now considered to be so serious that the Church Missionary Society sacked Renius and demanded that he leave Tenevelli completely. He did so. He complied. Only to be urged by a group of the teaching elders, these pastors, to return. And he did. This time, without any support from any missionary organisation, this time depending only upon the Lord to supply his needs and putting the principles of Grove's book, Christian Devotedness, into practice. The schism between Renius and the Church Missionary Society was never healed. But Groves was encouraged and impressed with the openness to the gospel that he found in India, in contrast to the barrenness that he'd encountered in Baghdad. So in July 1834, Groves boarded a ship at Calcutta, bound for England, hoping, with the Lord's help, to raise a band of like-minded workers who would come to India and preach the gospel. He arrived in Scotland a week after Christmas 1834 and travelled overland to England, where he was joined by his brother-in-law, George Mueller of Bristol. He was determined to work as quickly as possible to raise a band of workers. He travelled to Germany and to Switzerland, taking Mueller with him as an interpreter. That journey was successful. He recruited a number of willing helpers and returned with them to England to preach and to challenge Christians about the gospel need in India and to renew acquaintances with some of the local brethren assemblies. And while back in England, Groves remarried. He had met Harriet Baines in 1827 while he was living in Exeter. And while in India, after Mary's death, he had begun to correspond with her. He had even proposed marriage by letter. Harriet had declined. But times had changed, and now she agreed. And by all accounts they were both happily married, and there is no doubt that Harriet was a godly woman, with a great knowledge of the Scriptures. At the end of that same year, the missionary party assembled at Bristol to say their final farewells. A number from Germany and Switzerland and from England gathered. They had a valedictory service, and later travelled to Milford Haven, accompanied once again by their friend and supporter, Bessie Paget, They waited for well over a month for the ship to arrive from Scotland, the East India man, Perfect. But when Perfect finally arrived, they found that she had been well stocked with provisions from well-wishers, and they found that the voyage had even been paid for by a friend from India who had contributed £200, a considerable sum, in those days. The winds turned favourable in March 1836, and the missionaries were on their way, arriving three months later at Madras to recommence their missionary activities. If Groves thought that he would be well received back in Madras, he was sadly mistaken. The split between Renius and the Church Missionary Society following the installation of the new Bishop of Calcutta had deeply alienated the expatriate British community. 
most of whom were sympathetic to the Church Missionary Society's position. Many churches actually organised meetings and openly taught against Grove's doctrinal ideals. They sternly warned others to avoid him. Further discouragement came from among the brethren themselves. Cronin and Parnell had arrived in India from Baghdad, and they were unhappy that Groves had travelled to England without informing them. The news of the growing tensions back home, tensions that were occurring between J. N. Darby and B. W. Newton, had also reached them. And news travelled that Darby had become very critical of Groves, and Cronin, in particular, was supportive of Darby. So relationships among the missionaries in India grew very strained indeed. The original missionary band, who had set out with such high hopes, was falling apart. Months after the return to India, Groves and his missionary team hadn't had any letters from England, no correspondence whatsoever, and that meant no financial support forthcoming. Two of the recent missionaries working in the region of Godavari, Mr. Bowden and Mr. Beer, still learning the local language out there, had had no financial backing whatsoever. It seems that Grove's preaching tour of England may actually have backfired. His distinctive and very strongly held dispensationalist views had not gone down well among some of his early supporters, and those views had been expressed very forcefully during his deputation ministry. In fact, the first letter that Groves received from home was from a former supporter, who wrote to say that he was withdrawing his assistance. By this time, Groves was close to despair, and that despair only lifted when the band was strengthened by the arrival of his brother-in-law, George Baines, who visited the family and joined with them in worship, and then resigned his army commission to join the work. It was an inspiration, for others left the army and joined the band as well. During his time in Madras, Groves met and befriended many young Indian Christian workers. He encouraged them and mentored them, and among their number was John Arulapan. John adopted and closely followed Groves' principles, and Groves in return placed a great deal of responsibility with him, encouraging him to teach in the school to act as interpreter when Groves was preaching as well. Those little groups of Christians to whom Arulapan ministered later became part of the indigenous brethren movement in India. Like Groves, Arulapan lived by faith while working among these assemblies, and his ministry principles based on the teaching of Groves became the foundation of the doctrine of the church of his later spiritual descendants. Groves' final return to England was in 1852, when his health began to fail. He'd been suffering pain right throughout the month of January of that year, and Harriet and he decided that he would return to England alone, while she would remain in India and work on. He left Madras in August by steamship, arrived in England on the 25th of September, meeting with George Mueller and the Brethren at Bethesda, where he was welcomed with great joy. Groves continued to preach, even as his health declined. But he died and went to be with his Lord and Saviour at the home of Mr. and Mrs. George Mueller on the 20th of May, 
1853. Harriet Groves was unable to return home in time to be with her husband before he died, but she was greatly comforted that her family was by his bedside. Despite his late-life despondency with the self-perceived failure of his missionary efforts, Norris Groves left a great legacy behind. He was unselfish in his help of others. In his doctrine of mission, his missiology, he is regarded as being the founder and father of faith missions, going abroad and preaching the gospel without institutional or denominational support, trusting only in the Lord and the Lord's people for all his needs. And he left a legacy in theology as well. One of the characteristics of all these early brethren pioneers was their high view of scripture. All of them had a passion to understand and to obey the written word of God, even though they had reached a somewhat unusual view on eschatology, the end times. His friend John Keto's testimony of Groves demonstrated two great aspects of Groves' character. His determination to distance himself from any form of denominationalism and his devotion to the scriptures. The modern open brethren are credo-baptist, while many of the exclusives are to some extent pedo-baptist, or at least believe in household baptism. And I wonder, could this difference be as a result of the divergent views of Darby and Mueller and Groves? Because if so, then the influence of Groves on modern brethrenism is highly significant indeed. And many of the early brethren, including Darby and Groves, held to a Calvinistic understanding of the doctrine of salvation. Groves' account of his conversion has a distinctly Calvinistic tone. So, independent in churchmanship, a Calvinistic Baptist dispensationalist, I don't know, what do you think? Perhaps the modern equivalent of a Norris Groves would maybe be a John MacArthur. Well, that brings me to the end of the story of Anthony Norris Groves. Not a very well-known name in church history, but a name associated forever with a determination to reach the lost for Christ, whatever the cost. I hope that you have enjoyed learning a little bit about the man and about his mission. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.